You're tuned in to the Vintage House Show, home to the original stories of the history of house music as told by the legends, pioneers, and icons. Hosted by Kevin Mega McFall, Lori Branch, and Lauren Lowry. If you're tuned in, whether it's on the radio, on Twitch, on YouTube, on one of our wonderful social platforms, thank you for joining us here on the Vintage House Show. I'm the host of The Spotlight, and I'm here with Lauren. What up, fam? It is it's Lauren Lowry, the executive producer of the Vintage House Show, and we are so pleased to have Keys and Crates, a Toronto collective uh, that is going to be performing in Chicago at the Sound Bar. November the 18th. We are so lucky to have them uh, on in our virtual studio to talk a little bit about their show and who they are and sort of what their their history is in the hip hop, house music, trap game. So what we who we have here on uh, the cloud with us right now is uh, David Matisse, who is goes by Matisse. And we have Gregory Dawson, who goes by Junior Flow. And they are two of the three team members in Keys and Crates. Welcome to the Vintage House Show, gentlemen. Thank you for having us. So talk to us quickly, Keys and Crates. How did you, who came up with that name? And talk to us a little bit about the Toronto house music scene or the Toronto music scene. Um, I mean, the name came about, we were initially, um, before our third member even came in, Matisse and I got together and wanted to like, we started jamming and we wanted to form this collective and we knew we wanted to bring a third person in and we kind of just spitballed a bunch of names and keys and crates was like one of them and it felt catchy and true to the vibe at the time because we really started not really as even producers but as kind of like a almost like a hip-hop cover band um so it was like me on turntables i have like a scratch dj kind of background um, and Matisse has like a like heavy classical keys and R&B keys background. So we started off as this like kind of cover band. Keys and Crates felt like a catchy name. And we later sort of like evolved into producers, you know, and that's when we eventually started making like trap and stuff like that. We became this like dance band that was making instrumental kind of hip hop influenced trap beats and uh, and touring like that. Um, that's kind of how we started. Um the Toronto music scene and house scene has always been like super strong. I mean, we're, we're like a big city. So like everything kind of comes through here. Um, our experience with house was like different. Matisse grew up outside of the city, like in London, Ontario, I grew up closer to the city. I was coming into the city a lot. I was when in the nineties, I was buying like hip hop records and stuff. Cause I was like a, you know, a budding scratch DJ and that's I got exposed to house music through like the record stores and stuff like that. So I would hear a lot of like 90s stuff playing at the time because that was more my age group, like me hearing stuff in the, in the 90s. So I was hearing a lot of like New York stuff like Armin Van Helden, Strictly uh, stuff all, all off the Strictly Rhythm label and stuff like that. Um, so that stuff was really like in the background for me, the backdrop. I love that music. And I, I ended up kind of buying a, a lot of it just incidentally when I was like buying hip hop records, but I never, you know, we never, um, I never made it until, you know, the last few years, really. It was just something that I've always like loved. And it's been part of music that I've loved is along with a lot of other music that I've loved. Um, Matisse, I think was exposed to house more through like 
a lot of mainstream media stuff. Like uh, we had a show here called Electric Circus, which is kind of like uh, it's kind of like a soul train, but it's like more it was more like 90s dance uh, driven. So they would bring in like a lot of international house DJs and they would like do sets and then they would show like music videos of like the current dance stuff that was going on. And I, I was totally it, anybody that lived in Toronto was kind of influenced or like exposed to that. That was very much happening while like the underground house stuff was happening when when the rave scene was developing here. That was like, you know, like a, a, somebody would come into play a club or like a rave and they would like. If they were really big, they would end up doing a set on Electric Circus. So that was kind of all happening. And we were getting exposed to that. And that was just part of our musical upbringing. You know, like I think both Matisse and I were both more into like hip hop and R&B in the 90s. That was like our that was our like roots. And um, but we were, you know, exposed to house just through being around like it, it was almost like unavoidable in a, in a great way. Um, and there was there was clubs here for it like there was a club called Roxy Blue that was more that leaned more to like and this was more like late 90s early 2000s that leaned more towards like soulful house like um I guess like the naked music era of stuff like uh Blue Six and all that kind of stuff but then like the 90s stuff was always banging on you know in clubs like industry and system sound bar here um and like government and rpm when it was called rpm like so there there was there's just like a huge lineage of like clubs here that were bringing international talent in and then we had our own like amazing djs here like um guys like peter and tyrone or like kenny glasgow that went on to to become art department with his partner um and uh there there's there's so many um my boy nathan barato who's uh he was like he was somebody that was at like a house DJ that was working in the record stores at the time. And he was like very senior to me. Um, but he was always like a lot of the record store DJs were quite snobby, especially the house guys, frankly. <laughs> and um, Same here in like Chicago. Very... They thought they were everything, by the way. But almost all of them got their start working in the what we call now sort of our legendary um, record store. So I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. The record store culture is a, it's like, you know, it's got its own like thing to it right it's mm -hmm. it's a little edgy and it's a little snobby and whatever but I remember my boy Nathan always was like very um welcoming to me um and we became friends like years later um because we just ran into each other at the airport because we were both going on tour and he's super successful now you know playing around the world as like a house DJ and um and like producer as well he's like a great producer and he's done releases with like Jamie Jones and all these like huge people and stuff so like yeah, um, there's tons of people here, like local cats that have always been killing it. And uh, yeah, it's just it, it's it's in general, Toronto's had a, always had a very healthy music scene in general. Like we had the, the rave scene and we've had always had a strong like rap scene. And uh, it's it's just a very it's it's healthy. We get everything that New York gets, you know, because we're so close, I think, from a touring perspective. So we've been we're quite spoiled here. Wow. Matisse, anything to add to that? I mean, I think he pretty much summed it up, you know. Um, yeah, Toronto's always been around, like right right there with all the music that's come up from New York. And uh, 
you know, I, I did grow up in a smaller town, but we got exposed to it because right next to the big room in the hip hop rooms, there'd be this little small room playing house later on at night. And I would get enticed in there because there was girls in there and I'd go into that room and 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 hear the house music playing and dance music and be just kind of enthralled by a whole different culture. And, you know, and then also back then it was, you know, you would get those big flyers that would talk about a big party out in the middle of somewhere that you had to call a number and, you know, the parties back then were so underground and un, and not really part of the mainstream. So I think I found them through just dating a couple of girls who were into that scene and would tell me that they were going to these mysterious parties out in the middle of nowhere. And I remember being like, oh, what is this? This is crazy. So um, between that and the, and the show Electric Circus that was on on our on our music station called Much Music, which was like the MTV of of Canada, you know, they would they would have their weekly show of 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 people dancing in the middle of in this club down in uh in the much music station on Friday nights. And uh everyone in my town, you know, all the surrounding towns, we'd watch these shows with awe of this big city and these colorful people dancing to these strange sounds from Europe and these underground house records and stuff. So Greg was right, like you're you're just around it. Toronto was a melting pot of all types of music and house was always around, right around hip hop was in the nineties. Yeah, I really like how you mentioned like you would follow the girls. Like I feel like all the cool girls party to house music. And so like <laughs> you <laughs> you knew what you were doing there, you know what I mean? Um and I think house is a very like social thing too. It has a way of really bringing people together, whether you like it or not. It's it's just so different or you love it. And then you just bond over the fact that you can't stop moving for whatever reason. Well, it's funny you say that too, because it was such a contrast to the hip hop era at that time too, right? Because you go into clubs and people are kind of like a bit jaded and guarded and frowning and a bit like more like, you know, get mm -hmm. on my, my my way and stuff. And then you go into this house room, everyone's like, hey, come on in. Let me hold you. Let me hug you. My name is so-and-so. You want to come with my friends? And here's yeah. this little bracelet. And I've got these colors. And you're almost like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, yo, back up. And then, so, you yeah. you know, it's such a, it's such an embracing culture of love that coming from hip hop and, 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 and stuff like that in the nineties, you, you couldn't help but notice the difference in energy the minute you walked in. And at that time, as a straight male, I just didn't really even know how to really understand it. But yeah. I knew that the energy was good. And mm -hmm. I was kind of almost envious of the people who did fully understand it and fully immerse in it because they they just felt like they're on a level like the, the happiness they got from dancing was different from the 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 the, the mean mugging that we got from moving to our beats, you know. So yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, if we fast forward to today, I mean, that is your music now to some people. They are on the dance floor listening to this new album, which I was listening to as I was getting ready to, you know, for the interview. I want to I want to talk and hear a little bit more about intention. So first, my question is, what is some of the inspiration behind some of the the things you did this time around? How does this feel different from some of the music y'all first started off with when you first met and over the years? What's how was intention, you know, fresh and new for you? Well, we went full, we jumped full into the house music realm. Like we've never done that before. We've always we flirted with it. Um, even like from when we were a first like a cover band, we would like bring house stuff into the sets as well but when we started to produce it was more we were attracted to making these like instrumental trappies because it just felt really fun and fresh at the time and it felt like just new and we did that for a while and you know eventually it became it felt like the music became more aggressive than fun and inclusive and uh 
that's when we started to pivot to other stuff. And we start we started dabbling in house and we started dabbling in like kind of these 110 Afrobeat kind of things. And we were kind of finding ourselves. Um, you were speeding and, it up a little bit, just little by little. You were speeding it up. A hundred percent. And it was, a, it was a lot of that. It was like, not as deliberate of like, we were like, we weren't like, we want to make a house album. Like all of a sudden it was, it was kind of this gradual thing that happened. And, and it really did kind of start in, in the 105 to 110 range. And we were kind of playing that stuff and making that stuff. And we're like, this is cool. It feels like a stomp. And we like this groove and like, like, you know, and, I think the sidebar to this is like, I think a lot of the stuff that made us arrive at house was like how we enjoy people moving to the music. You know what I mean? Like it was like the result, the vibe in the, in, in the place. And is it something that we want to be a part of? And I think the 110 stuff, we were liking it, but sometimes it would feel a little slow for us. You know, like, I think it would be cool at some parts of the night but i don't think we wanted to play like a whole night of 110 so we gradually started speeding up you know what i mean and we started once we ended up in the kind of between 120 and 130 it started feeling like really good or like a very sustainable like kind of tempo for us with like a lot of grooves that we could explore and naturally those grooves became house grooves and i think like we gravitated towards a lot of um stuff that's influenced by like a lot of 90s house because that's like what was going on you know like armin van helden was what was going on you know um and like the syncopated like layered drum loops and stuff like that like that whole thing and then also like us liking you know there's stuff being on the stuff that sounds a little bit like more uk garage stuff is like mm-hmm. you know we like stuff like that too because again it sort of reminds us of armin van helden kind of stuff but just a little bit faster you know, so like a lot of stuff to us is like, it doesn't feel like that much of a reach. It's sort of like, oh, well, there's just like a few beats per minute faster. It's kind of the same group, but it's a bit few beats yeah. per minute faster. So like, let's try making that. And then oh, it's like, oh, it feels very different here. And like, this is a whole different energy pocket. And, and uh, you know, you start to learn all the different sort of like, you know, like micro energy pockets that you can go within, within house music and, and all the different grooves and you know, house is from, so vast it really is it's so vast yeah it's so vast you know and and the way people move to it like we'll play more afro-y stuff like the what girls do and we'll play a lot of stuff around that and the way that people move to that is different from the way they move to more like you know kind of jack and stuff not jacket and as in maybe a, a, i'm not saying it the the right way if you're a chicago person but <laughs> i'm when i say jack and i just mean that like 909 aggressive hat you know and it's, it's driving forward um which to me is almost like more some some new york stuff the way i i've kind of just been raised probably saying the wrong thing but um yeah so you we just kind of got obsessed with learning how to make music within the the parameters of the genre because we ended up there and we just realized it's like well there's so much space uh to make all kinds of different records here whether they be like really heady club records or like more pop leaning records and then records at different speeds and tempos and grooves um different levels of like melodicness to more being atonal like yeah so we just kind of like had you know like once we ended up in that playground we just had a lot of fun playing and and the album kind of happened quite organically 
Yeah, I'm happy you brought what girls do because that was my track. I'm like, there is something so global sounding about this. And in this throughout this album, I mean, you touched, I'm I'm glad you brought up this idea around different energy pockets because the album is a very fluid and diverse range of house music sounds. I mean, yeah. different tracks on here can be played in different country seamlessly. And yeah. I think that's wonderful. Matisse, I want to hear more about, you know, your your energy around around this album. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it came from, you know, we played so many shows as a band and as a DJs and stuff that you start to create as a producer just to make music to fit the soundtrack of the crowd you're around or the, the way you want that crowd to move or the way you want to educate them when you're playing for them. So, um, and when you grow up in, in Canada and specifically around Toronto, you're around so many different cultures that you start to see the crossovers of where Caribbean music mixes with Latino music and where Latino music mixes with Arabic music and stuff like that. And so you start to see the, the trending BPMs and the temples where you're like, oh, these guys share a similar rhythm but, you know, they might use a different type of drum snare than this one and stuff. So for me, it's almost like cooking where you're just blending different spices. You're blending Caribbean food with Indian food and things like that. And and you're trying to you're trying to take the listener, the dancer specifically on a ride where you're blending these different cultural rhythms so that they don't even fully know why they like what they're listening to. But you're like, well, I know why you like it, because it's a little bit Caribbean. It's a little bit of Mexican with a little bit of hip hop, with a little bit familiar. of soul, you know, familiar. familiar things. And we're mixing up this way. So, you know, um, sorry, what was your original question? I forget now. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was very abstract and a little long. Yeah. How, you know, with this new album, how does this feel different for you? And, you know, oh. versus, you know, the things y'all have been doing in the past. How, what is, you know. What, what was some of the inspiration and how does it feel different? So I think, yeah, um, we kind of came to kind of understand where we are now. You have to kind of understand where we came from because we did come from, you know, the last few years we were kind of in that trap soul kind of I remember boom. The trap for yeah. Sure. And that was a really cool culture for a while. And then for us, it kind of went into a lane that we didn't really enjoy. And we knew that we kind of had to get out of there. And what was the cool thing when it first started that scene was you, you know, I think we all witness what it's like to be part of an emerging culture where everyone's feeling it at the same time and everyone's moving the same way. Um, and we really took to that because at one point you you kind of felt like there was a really beautiful pocket of purity in that scene for the first three to five years of it. And then it kind of got marginalized and went too much corporate and stuff. And we started losing interest in it. And we were kind of in no man's land, the last two albums swimming through, just making our own ideas, kind of blending genres, doing the 110 BPM, mixing with trap, doing a little bit of house. And we were kind of swimming and kind of looking for something, at least the way that I saw, we were kind of looking for another culture, another home to live in. And we we're also maturing and getting older. And we knew that we didn't want to make this like raging, kind of heavy, kind of sounding music. And, and then as we started, you know, going out we started this party called the odd soul party which is a separate brand that we have um that was kind of bringing in more djs that we thought were kind of outside the box of everything and we were starting to do these parties in new york and in toronto and in those parties we were inviting you know we had house djs we had ama piano djs we had afrobeat djs things like that and our set was much different there greg would go and he'd be like hey i'm gonna play an hour set i'm just gonna dig and find music i like and you go find an hour set and dig and find music you like let's just go on stage and play it together and then through that we we started hearing both of our tastes and and kind of how we do things and i got to kind of experience 
how you can blend again all these different ways of doing things and mixing that with Alma Piano, mixing that with Afrobeat, mixing that with the classic house and seeing how if you do it right, all these people would still respond to it well. And within that community of the house world, I again started to feel that love again, but on a level that was classy and mature and and kind of at the at the age that we wanted to party at, you know, and it wasn't always like, yeah, yeah. It was more like, you know, chill and and sometimes like, it'd be you know, like, yeah, yeah, like just yeah, <laughs> like just take your time with it and right. and just enjoy it. But still the energy was like was pure. And mm-hmm. so, you know, for us it shaped it like where do you, you know, as you're getting older and as you're maturing, where do you want to spend your time as a DJ? And we're like, we want to be in that space. We want to be in that world. And we want to um and we want to pull people in with our own sound with it. So it really started with just playing these shows and just being like, what makes, what makes me happy and what makes the crowd happy and what kind of people do I want to see in that crowd? And uh, you know, and how do we, you know, we, we play so many shows. We just, we're just like, we need to, we always need to be in front of the crowds of the people that we want and, and always be telling a story and pushing things forward. So I think that's where it started for us. And like Greg said, like we just kept pushing the, pushing the uh, BPM higher to kind of see what would work. And then we found that sweet spot and we we're like, wow, within this pocket, there's so many spices you can use to, to keep going. I mean, people I can going. stay at 125 for like four hours. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. Like it's absolutely ridiculous, you know? <laughs> and, and then we were finding even just the way you blend the songs at that temple versus the way we used to do it was a whole different thing. And, you know, and it's just almost like a trance tempo that like, like you said, like, it's a world, like, it's like everyone around the world understands that tempo. Yeah. So with that, you can you can listen to music from all around the world and get someone's take on something within that tempo and then mm-hmm. learn from it. Right. So it's just endless. And um, that for us was something kind of very new, because with the last kind of community and genre we with Trap, it felt like it was only kind of held to a few markets around the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here, Australia, parts of Europe and stuff. But it was also towards the end, the music wasn't expanding anymore. It was almost getting smaller and becoming more kind of mm-hmm. like dull, dumbed down. Whereas with Hell's Music, we're just like, wow, like we've just started, we've just found a market that is just always expanding and reaching more and more places. And and so it's just exciting because like, as you said, there's, there's like a, like just the, the possibilities are endless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Hell's Music is all about love. So, I mean, it is so much fun that I think, you know, when you play it, everyone enjoys themselves. Everyone feels that love. And so, you know, happy that you've found yourself in the house music world. So welcome to the house mm-hmm. music world. Talk to me about how you learned about house music. And did you know it was a Chicago birth genre? Yeah, like I, I did coming up. But again, like, I feel like that like the 80s movement of the Chicago house stuff was like just it was before my time so it's like I came into it in very much and or and it could have also just just was being played a lot around me was like a lot of the New York stuff was was the stuff that was hitting me at the time and I think spoke to me texturally too because the New York stuff like I know the Chicago stuff started with disco edits and then like it evolved into synths and like like the Larry Heard vibes and stuff like that and all, all that stuff. But it's like, there was something about the way the New York guys were layering drums and chopping samples that just felt like it was like an olive branch from hip hop to me. You know what I mean? It was like, it, it just grabbed me because 
I was like, this sounds like hip hop. Like it was made from a hip hop perspective. And I think that's what we like identify with a lot about the New York stuff um, is because we're very much outsiders to house music. Like I don't, cons- I see like whatever exposure and like love for it I have, I still don't feel like I really grew up in the house music scene, like as an, as an inner, you know, person in it. So I feel like an outsider. I think we all do. And I think we bring this other kind of perspective to it that's kind of hip hop influenced. And when I hear, when I listen back to the 90s stuff, and even when I was listening to it at the time, that was my impression of it. I was like, this sounds like guys that could also just easily be making stuff like alongside Premiere and like Lord Finesse and like these guys but they're like choosing to do this instead. You know what I mean? Or choosing to mostly do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think my experience was kind of like what I talked about before. It was like all that peripheral stuff. It was like the record store ending up in clubs. I was doing, um, I was also performing at raves because I was uh, like a turntablist and I was like a competitive turntablist. I was winning like DMC and ITF competitions and stuff. And then, so I would get booked at huge raves to like play in the drum and bass room and drum and bass was like really cool at the time, but I was like kind of particular about, and it wasn't even called drum bass, it was called jungle at the time. And it wasn't, it wasn't all totally my thing. So I would normally end up in the house room after (laughs) because that was more my vibe. (laughs) Um, so yeah, like just stuff like that, you know, it was all like peripheral. Um, but it's kind of cool coming into it with, I still feel like I'm learning stuff every day about it, like new stuff about it every day. Um, and I really do like the approach to being maybe a little bit like naive of some of the stuff, um, because I think that's just our perspective and that's our approach. And it's going to be a different approach than somebody else's to it. You know, like we're, we're trying to approach it with all the like love and respect and care that we have, but like also knowing that we're just like, not, we're, we're not going to pretend to be insiders and like, we're not going to pretend to be legitimate in ways we're not. I'm going to tell you how um, outsiderish we are and be very transparent about that. Um, Because I mean, I think the music will speak for itself and like our perspective on it is, is that, you know, that's, that's what we bring to the table, like, like it or not, you know? Um, yeah, for me, again, it's like there's two things like the pre parties. And I, I guess I'm always people first. I, I look at music as literally the soundtrack to people's lives and how people celebrate. And I just remember in the 90s, again, if you went to my friends pre parties before we go to a club, it's smoked out. It's it's hoods, it's ciphers, it's rap, it's it's grimy. It's like, yo, what up? And like everyone's just like hard. And like if I meet a new group of guys, it's like I got to like you can't smile right away or something like you're like yo like <laughs> yo like okay and it's like oh you like this yeah I like oh I like mob deep yeah I like mob deep too whatever it's like all right and you're just kind of there and like 40 minutes into being around that guy you might start to have a conversation and then 50 minutes into that you might look him in the eye you know what I mean it's like at that point versus I go out with some girl who's pre-partying at her friend's house and they're playing house music in the back. And I come to their door and everyone's like, hey, what's up? Come on in. This is my friend Jeff. This is my friend Corey. This is my friend Amy. This is my friend Becky. This is my friend. This and this and this is everyone. Come on in. We're all feeling good. You want something? You want a drink? Hey, guys, this is Matisse, whatever. And everyone's super happy. And and I'm I'm almost out of my element because I'm like, yo, this is something's wrong here. Like everyone's too, everyone's too happy. Um, <laughs> and then the other thing was 
when you go to a hip hop club, the DJ like has to play a song that everybody knows all the time. Like you go to a club and the DJ is literally what they play is every single banger that, you know, and you go to a house club, it's like, they play everything you don't know. And you just go along for the ride. And they're playing and, it for like five minutes. And you're, yeah, you're playing for like right. And that's like two minutes and they're cutting. Yeah. So hip hop clubs, you go there and the DJ at the end of the night is like, you're going to hear the hits that you've heard every day. And if they play anything outside of that, you're almost like, yo, you, you, you just, you, you're, people aren't there to hear that. Whereas you go to these house parties and people are just there to hear what the DJ decides to play them. And there might be one or two or three anthems that everyone knows, but the rest of it's just like, they're just vibing. And I remember like, that was something very interesting to me because it just it's such a different it was the first time i ever heard of the concept of like you being a producer or djing people actually just coming to hear what you decide to play not coming that you have to just play what everyone else expecting to play you know so um so that was just as a just as an outsider just observing different cultures i found those two things strange at first but then as i started you know i remember greg one time mentioning that back then when we were playing hip hop and gravitating he's like I really want to just play to crowds that are just down to just hear what we have to play and what we have to say instead of having to do these remixes and flips that are like, oh, we're playing the Fugees, we're playing, you know, Nas, we're playing Jay-Z, we're playing this. And if we don't play that, they're kind of bored, you know, so that openness to just let the DJ come in and just play what they play and people go nuts and they keep dancing. I think that was what really drew me to that culture. And then all the years we played music festivals learning about festival culture in the U.S., which for a Canadian guy growing up in London, Ontario, no one would have ever gone. I would have never gone to any of these. And that idea of people going from one festival stage, meeting up with another group of people and going to another festival stage, then meeting up with a bunch of people and all that kind of flowing. I was just like, what is this? I understood now why people, you know, why they save up their whole life, you know, their whole year to go to Coachella or to go to this forest in the middle of nowhere and and sometimes I'd come back and I would I would go to these clubs back to hip hop and I'd be trying to be smiley to all my boys because I'd come from this festival scene and my boys would be like, yo, why are you so happy? Are you <laughs> and, I'd <be> like, <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, yeah, I got to go back to the hip hop thing. It'd be like, you know, I got to And so it's a really funny juxtaposition of like the two different cultures. And I never really, you know, it's, it's, it's obvious when you say it now, but I didn't realize that the whole house culture is all love, you know, because you don't you don't experience that with many other nightclubs, you know, with R&B and hip hop. It's not that energy. So when you get used to it, you, you don't even know what to call it. And until you just said that, I was like, duh, like, of course, that's what it is. But um, yeah, until you said that, I didn't realize that was what house music was actually based off of in terms of emotion, you know, um, but it makes sense because that's what you do feel. You feel the uh, not only the acceptance, but just the love of, of everyone being there in a, in a purity and a pure space. So um that's 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 what that's what brought me to it. It is really refreshing as a DJ to have a dance floor that trusts you. And I think house music really like I really like how you brought that up as far as, you know, in the house music dance floors you've you've been to that you've spun at it. They are people are there to trust you and just follow along to to your rhythms, to your guidance. Um yeah. And with that, you know, my next question kind of for y'all is there's three of y'all. How do you balance three creative minds, three creative energies, you know, three different USVs? How do you find, you know, the common ground and collaborating and, and creativity? I think just um, 
you know, I, I like there's already there's always like difference of opinions, but I, I think we just have so much commonality and taste. There's such a like big intersection in our tastes that um, I we kind of look at the three of us as like it's like a filter, like it like whatever gets made has to go through the filter of the three of yeah. us. And then like if it's gone through that, then we we all trust it. You know what I mean? So like if I make an idea and like the other two guys aren't feeling it, I don't really trust that idea because it's not through our filter, you know, but if like one of them is really feeling it and the other one's not, I'm like, okay, maybe it's like, maybe we just have, maybe there's just something missing and to get the other one to like it, you know what I mean? And like our goal is, I think the mantra and the goal of the group is to always feel awesome about everything that we're releasing. Like nobody feels like a winner when somebody doesn't like something you know like so we like to feel like everybody's psyched about everything that feels good for our morale so we're constantly all making ideas like separately and together sometimes in two sometimes singular sometimes the three of us we're just always making ideas and like we just kind of heartlessly gravitate to towards the ones that like excite us all you know collectively um and those are the ideas that end up getting finished and and uh demoed on the dance floor and then the dance floor will tell us you know a lot of times like i think we rely a lot of uh, you know especially more now than ever that we're doing the dj sets it's really a constant feedback loop between making demos and testing them on the dance floor um and and so and sometimes when you see a demo that maybe you didn't totally see and you see it work on the dance floor, it sells you on it, you know, or, or, or you, or you realize what the missing link with it is. It just needs this thing or it needs this section or like the kick just needs to be like hitting harder or like whatever it is, you know, like all kinds of stuff. But um, yeah, it's generally like, we just try and make tons of ideas and, and not be too precious and just, organically go where the energy is you know like where the like we go we we gravitate towards the demos that just sound fire you know regardless and we don't care who makes what we're like not precious about that it's just about like what the most fire stuff is at the time and this and and playing in the constant uh feedback loop of djing helps with that so much because it's like you know you can like fantasize about liking an idea all day long but it's like if you really have to play it if you have to play that in front of people that's like the ultimate test you know like do i feel good playing this you know what i mean and that's kind of almost like the whiteboard test for us like regardless of how you feel about this like is it is it working you know is it like working on the dance floor um and, and I also that... um to add to that greg sorry um there's also like you know, there's also a trust that's been that's been carefully forged over. I don't know. We've been together 15 years. We were a live band that got in a van and toured across the U.S. and Canada for like eight years. So you so you go through ups and downs of being elated and being miserable together and having to get through that sleeping in bedrooms. You know, one person sleeping with their head at the, you know the other person's foot and and and, and sleeping on the floor. Like yeah. <laughs> so you know, we we had the experience of literally being like a small family and traveling together and going through miserable moments and also elation moments and like sharing the same experience together. So we've all we've all been through the getting on each other's nerves and then talking it out and and doing all that stuff. And you know, I always think the one lucky thing we got with the three of us is we all seem to be very temper like level-headed 
and very introspective that like if your shit stinks you'll you'll listen to someone tell you that no one no one has that issue where they won't listen even if they're angry and we also none of us really ever none of us have any things where someone's missed a gig out of just like hey my girlfriend and i just didn't feel like coming so like we all we don't have any of those problems where someone doesn't show up to work we're all pretty like blue collar type of musicians like we get up and we just work on the stuff and we pride ourselves in that so you don't have any of those things where my teammate let me down um so i think that mixed with the fact that yeah you know we've just been through the band thing and if you can exist through a band as long as we have like nothing can really stop you after that so this part's kind of the easy thing like getting up and just putting a usb stick in a thing like when i used to when we had 15 bags as a band before and toured with those and you know did that you know so you know i think from that we've just learned how to be around each other and give each other space and we know each other pretty much in and out now so um that's why we're able to function the way we do really quick who played what instrument in the band or like who was in charge of what uh i played the keys greg did turntables and tune did the drums oh okay yeah oh cool so you mentioned that or maybe i read you mentioned coachella i think i read that you all played coachella how was that experience and are there some other festivals that you are looking forward to playing in the future um, yeah, like Coachella was totally surreal. It was like, uh, you know, I think when we were, um, first starting our band, we were like, it'd be amazing to play Coachella. Like it was kind of one of those like naive pipe dream things. And then we actually did it. <laughs> so it was, it was totally surreal. It was like an amazing crowd. It was like, we played the, um, the, uh, Sahara stage, right? Sahara, yeah. Thank you. Tent. Sahara yeah. tent, which is like a pretty legend. It's like the dance tent and it's, like where Daft Punk really like blew the roof off and like, you know, so it's just like a legendary dance tent. So it was really cool to do that. Um, um, I think going forward, like we're not even tripping on the festivals, like we're down to play festivals, but I think right now we're having fun playing clubs, to be honest, and like incubating our new sound and just working on it. I mean, I think we really want to play festivals if anything more overseas, like in like Brazil and South America and like, um, like throughout weird parts of like Europe and, and stuff like that, maybe Asia and Africa and just different parts of the world. I think we want to get out in North America a little bit. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, kind of also wide open, you know? Um, the experience of Coachella, yeah, I just remember us being up there and it's like, you're nervous, you're scared, you're exhilarated, you're trying not to mess up your 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 parts because we played as a band at that one. So you're worried about your equipment not working, you're worried about your fingers freezing up, at least that's my thought process. But you're also like just looking at the crowd and just, you can't believe there's, I don't know, 20,000, 30,000 kids at Coachella dancing to your music. Um, you're hoping not to screw up, you're hoping to enjoy the moment. And it, it's an hour set and it feels like it just goes by like that, like time stops, like you're just holding your breath to, and you're, the show's done kind of thing. Um, and yeah, like to speak to Greg, like we did so many festivals and they're, they're a lot of fun. But again, like, you know, a lot of people are seeing us as like a, you know, they might be coming to us as our, this is our first rodeo is like this new, this intention and things like that. But we've had a whole 
chapter before this of just experiences with festivals and, you know, uh, Red Rocks was another one that we loved playing, um, which is like, we've played that five or six times and you never get tired of playing Red Rocks. It's in Denver, Colorado. It's up in the mountains for anyone who's listening. Um, it's a natural looking amphitheater. It's got such a history of shows there. And the Denver crowd is just, they're just such music lovers are just there to party. And we've had some amazing, amazing memories, you know, like the views from stages are just amazing. Um, another one, what's the one at the gorge out in, uh, in yeah. uh, the West and uh, in the gorge, Washington which State. is like, it's a, yeah. Washington state. It's like outside looking over the back, like the backdrop of this amazing, like kind of deep crevice. That's naturally, you know, that's, that's almost like looking like you're playing in the grand Canyon almost thing and playing a sunset set there, you know, is beautiful. Um, Shambhala up in Vancouver, British Columbia, it's up in the mountains um, where you just walk through forests and all of a sudden you wake up and there's like, you walk into this, this open space with a tribal stage and just people dressed up in all their costumes and it goes on all night and you're just traveling through this crazy forest in the middle of British Columbia, you know, um, you know, uh, even Las Vegas, um, you know, life is beautiful playing in the middle of Las Vegas down there and playing that festival and being in the heart of like Sin City and having people have this joyful night with you. Um, you know, there's so many, there's so many moments that are just, um, some of these festivals that they make, um, what's the one, um, in, in, uh, New York electric, uh, electric suit. No, no. What's the one that we used to love up in North in New York, um, area. Um, uh, I forgot what it's called. It's that one that's like, uh, electric forest. Oh, that's um, in Michigan. is that Michigan? Yeah. Michigan. Um, that one is like, they take this big forest area like massive size and they just light it up with all these different decorations and it's like this playground that you walk through in the middle of the day and sorry the middle of the night all night and I think that was some of the things that the peripheral like when you when you go to these concerts is not only just playing them but when you walk around and experience the kind of creativity and the things that go on that music connects people to um that is kind of you know for me what festivals meant and and uh if we get to do that again in some other parts of the world, um, we went to Tomorrowland in Belgium, which was like, I don't know. It was like the biggest thing I've ever seen in my life, like what they did down there. And, and it was just an amazing immersive experience. And I think there's bigger ones across Europe and across, you know, South America too. So uh, if we get to do those, that'd be great. Um, but as Greg said, playing clubs at one o'clock in the morning or 12 o'clock is also just a, just a good life. <laughs> <laughs> Matisse, Greg, y'all have been so wonderful to chat with. We don't want to take up too much of your time. So I do only have one quick, one last question for y'all. Um, in, you know, speaking of the album, I want to, okay, Stevie, I'm sorry. My cat is like, hello, it's dinner time. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite track on the album and why? You know, you have some heavy hitters on there. We got Sierra, we got Lion Babe. We have some really great additions what is your favorite track and and why is it your favorite track uh for me it changes like every day or every few days but right today it's the the dana williams one uh, i can't make you love mm -hmm. i can't make you love me which is uh i think it's track two um yeah i just like love that 
it's got like i don't know just the texture of the beat is really like interesting to me like with the with the the sticks on the snare and it's just it feels very tribal and hypnotic and then her, and her voice her like, voice is sounds so crazy on it it's just like yeah and it was really cool making that with her because she's kind of more jazzy than that track would have you believe but i feel like she sounds just like really restrained and like popping on that track in like a great way that's still like completely um it, it honors like how good of a singer she is as well it just sounds like a, a really dope restrained version of her um and it just gives me i don't know it just gives me like sassy like janet jackson energy kind of thing you know it's like i feel like you could play that in a room with like janet jackson there and she'd be like i like this you know like at least that's like my my uh fantasy <laughs> quote <laughs> um so yeah today it's that one for me yeah my rotate probably between i think there's there's four i'll just kind of go over them uh higher for me is one because it brings me back to church and, and gospel um there's a spirituality to it in there where i think we snuck in mm -hmm. which uh i really like that we're able to sneak that in um into a house track and and bring that gospel kind of southern church baptist kind of like feel um that's one uh overdrive with lion babe i think we achieved something really melodically kind of um profound there it's just deep and and the way it just makes you feel like when we play it live and people hear it it just it's like a wash of like I don't know, mm -hmm. just a wash of warmth or something and and like mm -hmm. caramel, I guess I would say as a as a thing. <laughs> and um and I just I just like what it does when it comes on and how that the the chords and the melody in that one. Um feeling something I really like just because I like how the three of us made that together and how it came about and and just kind of the what it's saying. And again, I think there's a hint of like you're here, you're feeling something, there's something in the room, there's an urgency to it. Um, and then what girls do, I think as well, because I think there's something we achieved a very, you know, I'm, my, my parents are Trinidadian Caribbean, and I feel like there's a little bit of Soka and Calypso in there mixed with the what girls do, which I think is kind of like a unifying anthem for women if they want, you know, like we've seen them being shared on social media is that song with women's soccer teams or women doing things with like women empowerment. So I really, I just like the anthem of like what girls do, because I think it just is something to bring women together. Um, so I, I gravitate between those four and just those ones have a little bit more meaning for me on the album. That is cool. We got to check. We got to dive in deep to this album. I can't wait to do that. Uh, Keys and Crates out of Toronto. Thank you all so much for being on the Vintage House Show. Please tell the Vintage House Show family how to get in touch with you, your media channels, and how do we get tickets to Samovar? Well, so you can go to uh, Keys and Crates on Instagram. Uh, that's just Instagram. And then you just put Keys and Crates, our name. That's where we kind of, you'll, if you DM me, you'll, you'll talk to one of us. We're on there all the time. Um, okay. You can go into our bio and our link tree, and we have tickets for all of our shows for our concert, for the concerts coming up, um, especially for this weekend. Um, and that would be the best way to get a hold of us. Awesome. What time are you all up? I think probably around midnight. I'll be there. I will be there. Sick. Yeah. So get some rest. Let it. Let us know. Come back and say what's up in the green room and and come say what's I'm up. Be like you know. they know me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, you know, we do hit know up our you. People's... You are family now. You yeah. are part of the Vintage House Show fam. So uh, we'll touch base with PR and make sure that Momami is backstage. You know, and then you you all are gonna invite her up. You know, all those dream things. You're kind of like, 
shouting everybody out but we can't yeah. wait to to meet you in person and uh, we look forward to the set it's going to be a great time in chicago you got you're very lucky you all know tough weather because you all are from canada but i think chicago is going to be extremely pleasant so oh, get ready I, for the sun don't get our hopes <laughs> up like that don't get our hopes up I, we hope so that'd be amazing yeah. that'd be great well everyone DJ Momami and Lauren Lowry, thank you all for joining us here on the Vintage House Show. You can catch us at VintageHouseShow.tv, VintageHouseShow.com, and our podcast, and Wednesdays, 10 p.m. on WNUR 89.3 FM and HD1. Thanks again, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thank you all. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Vintage House Show podcast. Please subscribe and share and check us out live WNUR 89.3 FM Wednesdays at 10 o'clock.